Hi, everyone. We have a special, special podcast today because we have multiple people. It's not just me and one other person. I'm going to introduce to you everyone that's in the room. We have Tina Scherzer, Jess Weibler, Zach Boardman, Rachel Walker, Brendan McCormick, Shari Tremblay, and Kendall Lawson. And we're going to talk a little bit about proficiency-based grading or standards-based grading, whatever you want to call it. I know a lot of people want to debate uh, the different terms, but really, ultimately, what we know it as is standards-based grading. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So welcome, everyone. Hello. Everyone, Hello. everyone ready? We're ready. Let's All go right, ahead. so let's talk about grading student work. And I guess my first question is, do you include student behaviors, such as effort or participation in your grades? So in a standards-based grading system, um, one of the nice things that I think we can all agree on that we like is it takes um, a lot of the behavior aspects that we see in traditional grading out of it. Um, we still, on um, some of us at least, still look at behavior as um, more specific things, for example, like attitude, collaboration, preparedness, um, and talk about that in more of like a reflective manner instead of penalizing kids for not having homework done or whether it's um, with a referral or detention discipline aspect or losing points. Um, and we try to like pinpoint specific behaviors that and help them see how those behaviors will help them in, in any class, in any assignment, on any project instead of just that one assignment. Yeah. Um, so I guess the quick answer would be we do not include student behavior in grades. Okay. Um, because the idea of grading is a little bit different in a standards-based grading system. Sure. Um, and for sixth grade, what we're trying is on their quarter reports, when we um, have the kids fill out their standards that they've earned on the bottom, their students set goals, and then we conference and we set a combined student-teacher goal. Cool. And part of that is an overview of those soft skills, organization, behavior, as well as the standard goals. So that gives the parent an idea of what needs and the student something to focus on. Very cool. I think that the, also with student behaviors and like what Tina said in goal setting, it, it really lends itself nicely to like the learner profile and um, especially in student-led conferences because it gives students the language to talk about specific things that um, they're doing well or things they need to improve on in a classroom that they can more comfortably talk and use evidence for in both the learner profile and um, student-led conferences. Very cool, awesome. You know, are you guys grading every activity or grading every assignment a student completes? So since our standards-based system is mostly based on our summatives, we don't have to grade everything, and I think you'd be overwhelmed if you're trying to grade everything. Agreed. Um, <laughs> but um, it's different work. It's so the myth that it's a lot more work for teachers, I think, should be expelled because we're spending so much time giving more feedback, whether it's verbal feedback or written feedback or peer-to-peer -peer feedback. We're not having to grade everything and sit there for countless hours grading worksheet after worksheet, which I think is nice. And that feedback is so important. Mm -hmm. I, that's the most important part of when it comes to learning. So it's not about the grade, it's about the feedback. So yes. that's great to hear. All right, so do you guys average your student scores then to find an overall grade? So for sixth grade and seventh grade, what we have been doing is doing a lot of the practice and kind of going off of that feedback piece. Um, so the students get a lot of verbal feedback, they get a lot of written feedback, and then they have a final summative where they get a score of a one. 
a two or a three. So three meaning standards met, two meaning approaching, and then one is standard not met. Um, and then those are all calculated at the end where you add up the points. Um, and they can also get reassessed at any point. So by looking nice. at the feedback again, talking to us, communicating with us, and then they can get reassessed. So even though they get a final grade on the summative, it's not an end grade until the very end of the quarter. That's very cool. And, and something that in eighth grade we've been experimenting with is instead of um, just kind of doing one final summative assessment, um, they can still be reassessed, but we're doing multiple iterations of the same standard. Okay. Uh, and then we take a look at the scores of all those assignments and look and see if there's a trend, if somebody is uh, growing or if they're tanking and kind of use that with our feedback uh, when we conference with the students at the end of the quarter uh, and talk about their standards-based grade. Yeah. Uh, and it can you know, provide motivation for them to kind of go back and revise stuff. Awesome, awesome. So the big question, can a student earn a zero? <laughs> so there's a, a lot of research out there and a lot of ideas. Um, and I think most of us have came to the, the idea here that if a student ends with a zero, that would simplify that, or symbolize that they haven't shown any progress at all. Mm. And I think that if we're doing um, our jobs and providing you know, different learning opportunities, uh, meeting the student where they're at, they're going to show some progress in some ways, like sure. science almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, at the end of a quarter, and I, I know some of us dealt with this just with um, finishing grades, there were some students who, because it's self, kind of more self-paced and a little bit self-directed, a student who's less motivated might not have finished a summative, might not have even started a summative, and so we were struggling with what to do because mm. um, you can't really just put a zero on there because we know that they've shown progress. So um, we could either use an incomplete for a final grade until they do that. You could, um, you know, unfortunately, use their lunchtime or study hall time in order sure. to, you know, make that happen, or um, look at what they've done so far and see if you can get a one, two, or three out of them to to symbolize some kind of progress yeah. in that time period. Yeah. So proficiency-based progress or standards-based grading is obviously a part of our honeycomb model that we're following with personalized learning. So how has this assisted with personalized learning? I think it's important to point out that they're not two separate things. So if you go in a standards-based direction, you are automatically okay. going in a personalized mm -hmm. learning direction. So it's not like you're tackling two separate things. So okay. and like you said, it's on the honeycomb because um, you're able to give personalized targeted feedback in specific skill areas. So yeah. it individualizes it for each kid. Um, and to me, in the future, we're probably going towards kids maybe having their own learning path and all that. But at this point, at least in our classes, all the kids are doing the same assessments, but there's a lot of choice. They're product-driven, they're performance-based, okay. and then you can target those skill areas to you know, help out each individual kid. You bet, so. you bet. Um, in one of my classes, because I'm you know, trying out different things with different periods, in my one hour um, to try to focus on the personalized learning, we're kind of deconstructing their choice. So like okay. if um, we're putting together 60 second uh, spots on our website where they can do anything they want, they want they're interested in, and then as they're working and choosing their method of how they want to present, then we're sitting and saying, okay, well really what standard are you working on? Sure. So instead yeah. of focusing on the standard and then the product, they're kind of developing the product and then looking back and saying, oh wow, that's addressing this. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. You guys have done a lot. It's 
I love doing these podcasts because <laughs> I learn so much about all the great things everyone is doing. So thanks in advance. But let's move on um, because obviously with anything new, change is scary. What kind of roadblocks have you encountered with this new grading system? I, I think that the communication aspect, like Ryan said, is is one of the toughest roadblocks at first, figuring out what people might already know. Um, you don't want to, you know, over-educate them, under-educate them, um, upset anyone because you make an assumption or about what they might know. But I think it, in making sure that um, parents at least have a foundation about what this philosophy looks like um, and maybe understanding that, you know, that might change per class or per grade level. But I think that that's been one of the roadblocks that we've all faced and will continue to face in making sure that everyone's on the same page. Yeah. And another thing, um, sorry, is that uh, with when we started the beginning of the year, we kind of took on too much at the beginning. Um, and it was kind of overwhelming for the students and then for ourselves. Um, so just kind of pulling back a little bit so that, um, we had a foundation and set at the beginning of each quarter. The students knew what they needed to do, and it was in enough time sure. um, to get it actually completed yeah. with fidelity. Yeah. Well, the, as we wrap this up, and you know, my famous last question in all my <laughs> podcasts, I mean, we know that, once again, this is in the honeycomb model. We are moving in this direction, standards-based grading, whatever you want to call it, right? So as we move into this new direction, what advice do you have for the staff here when it comes to standards-based grading? Uh, I would say start small. And, uh, recently in a conversation with another teacher, it came out when learning about new things in the classroom, you don't want to think about it as if you have to do it with every single class that you're working with. Good point. Try one assignment in one class and then build from mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And then after you feel more confident, you know, talk with your peers, um, your colleagues, and, and talk with administration about what your plans might be going forward. And, and absolutely reach out to you know, your learning coach because they have <laughs> There's the plug. Hey there, sorry. There's the plug. <laughs> a ton of experience and they really have an idea of what's going on in the rest of the building. So they can yeah. probably yeah, give I'd you some. I'd say connections, yeah. helping to connect. Give yeah. you some feedback on like, oh, well, you don't have to try it all and do it all yourself the first time. There's other people that are working on this and can help you on that path. And I'd also say it's okay to have a blend of like the legacy approach with the personalized, especially at this point when we're all still trying it out and some of us have been around a long time and still have <laughs> tendencies or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Um, you can kind of make a hybrid out of the two and okay. do the best of both worlds. You know, That's so. Awesome. I would say seek out PD too because mm -hmm. no matter what you're interested in, eventually you find the people that are, have the same interests as you and you start getting into those conversations with other people and free PD is the best thing in the world. Yeah. I think having an open mind with like with this and anything, it might not be like for you, you know, 100% right now, but I think um, in keeping an open mind and having conversations with people you don't talk to every day, maybe necessarily, um, might help you, you know, see that there's one thing that you're like, oh, that'd be cool, or I think that might help me as a, you know, in regards to workload, or it might help my students in regards to reflection, or whatever it might be. Um, and so to keep an open mind in, in that. Okay. Um, one thing, my advice is don't be afraid to make mistakes. And I think to communicate with that as kids, you're being a good model, but also with parents, letting them know, we're trying this because we believe that this is a better yeah. way to present the standards and to have kids learn. 
but it's a learning curve for us too, so be patient. Yeah. But know, and I tell the kids this too, that we have your best interest. You bet. It's just we're learning along the way too. Yep. We're on the <laughs> journey. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It's fun. <laughs> Any other thoughts um, or advice? I think everyone spoke, actually. Mm -hmm. So, All right, we're going to wrap it up.